Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome. Uh, This is Life's Third Act, and we're continuing uh, the conversation that we left off with with Ben Pierce. Uh, For the introduction of that, go back to the beginning of the previous episode, but I think you'll enjoy this discussion. And so uh, these communities, though, that you you think will become more popular uh, over time, perhaps, will, will be ones where they're leveraging these additional resources to allow them to be independent and kind of progress to assisted uh, and then and then if they need to go past assisted that's where they would have they would independently find a place or a place would be suggested to them but it would be a different contractual relationship entirely or they would bring the care in and even for even for i did I, I was talking about skilled care did i say assisted? oh no you can't no not skilled care so so in other words you can do uh, independent you can progress to assisted, and then at some point, though, if you need more than assisted, then that's when you would go to a, a, a wholly independent entity, have a new contractual relationship for skilled care. Correct. Okay, that's uh, that would provide. I mean, not everyone progresses through all those steps, Joe. Yeah, that's why I was thinking is that a lot of people may think, look, I've, I'm willing to make the bet that far more likely than not, I won't have to go to skilled. Correct. 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 Or if they do, it'll be under in, under the circumstances that you describe, where uh, uh, they they have a fall, there's a you know a break or a fracture or something. They have Medicare coverage for maybe 30, 60 days, even as long as it's treatment or rehab, and then they come back to this facility. And they come back to their to the place uh, with home health, and and a certain amount of home health is paid for by Medicare too, um, sub- subsequent to uh, discharge from a rehab center. Yeah, I I can see how that would have advantages to both the resident as well as the investor, uh, but but I have to tell you when I've looked at some of these self-contained communities that that are providing it all, uh, the this traditional approach, it does feel more like a a village. It feels more like people who have relationships and their lives are spent and live together in some sense of the word. Um, and and there's just a lot going on and you get a sense of vitality in, in the communities that I've seen uh, that were, were... Have you ever heard of the term NORC? N-O-R-C? Uh, is that an acronym for something? Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family, your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning. Count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. Yeah, it's an acronym for Naturally Occurring Retirement Communities. No. And um, one thing that you're saying, I mean, people are people. And they there are certain um, like large apartment buildings that over time um, people live in for 
10, 15, 20 years. They get to know everybody in the apartment building and um, they already contract in for home health and they have a, um, they have like a homeowner's board that, that manages the uh, regulations of the apartment building. And uh, they become a de facto senior living community, even though they're not licensed, they're not sponsored by a uh, or managed by a uh, you know senior living uh, provider. And uh, so all I'm saying is that there are those things out there all or already and have been since the 70s that I'm aware of and where people have come together and and taking care of each other and 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 been very much a community because that's what humans do especially people as they become more vulnerable uh they seek out support from their neighbors and and because there's this sense of um of commonality in that there have this shared need and this shared experience that uh, often neighbors, it seems, are more inclined to care about each other and to meet each other's needs in a community such as you describe. That yeah, it's not because they may need that same help themselves someday. And when people are retired, they're looking for volunteer opportunities. They're looking for ways to to have a meaningful contribution. And you know, why not look to their neighbor next door first? And that's exactly what happens. So then this investment model that you describe that you predict will become more common in the future will not so much be a naturally occurring retirement community, but it will be a artificially created, uh, I don't know what, we'll need a new acronym. The difference is the, the new community will be more congregate in nature and it will have meal service. It'll, it'll, it'll provide meals. So there'll be a dining room, there'll be a kitchen, um, and there'll be activity rooms, probably a pool room, a library, business office, and uh, you know places where people can congregate and socialize with one another. And people whose job it is to see that this community operates, you know, in the as, right. as intended. I mean, the difference is one is professionally managed and one isn't. One's yeah. managed by. The NORCs are managed by a homeowner's board, uh, and these communities, independent, these congregate communities are going to be managed by senior living operators who uh, are experienced in in uh, delivering senior, senior living services. Hmm. That sounds like what might be even more attractive as a model. So much to think and about. And incidentally, one thing I should point out is the home health agencies, the... Medicare certified home health agencies and the Medicare certified uh, physical and occupational therapists, those people will be able to rent space in these buildings. And the cost of that rent uh, provided it doesn't exceed the Medicare allotment is reimbursable by Medicare. So They'll, they'll be able to go in and the the owner of the building will be able to rent space to various people and they'll just include the cost of that rent on their cost reports. And uh, that's all covered by Medicare as if they were going to rent space in a strip mall, for example. So, so these would be, the construction design would be one that was intended to provide 
professional space for these five or six key needs that might exist right. and right and people uh, professionals could lease those as you describe yeah i would anticipate there being uh medical offices there's um physical therapy rooms a durable medical equipment there's probably a, a bank uh that that has banking hours and atm there's um you know, obviously home health offices, physician's offices, where a physician can, make, can come in like a specialist. Um, uh, some communities even have a lab where they can uh, collect uh, blood, do cumin, cumin uh, level tests for people who are on cuminin. Yeah. And, uh, so, which is a blood thinner that you have to have your blood test regularly. So all that stuff is going to be under one roof, and each of those uh, uh, areas is going to be a revenue source for the operator, for the owner, and then they don't have to operate it. So they don't have to staff it. They don't have to insure it. They don't have to uh, to go through all the headaches of trying to get reimbursed for their services. Would it be safe to say that a more stripped-down version of a continuing care retirement community such as you describe um, – which doesn't provide for skilled care, would would that be a safer financial bet for the resident over time than the full service CCRC? Not necessarily, um, because the CCRCs are very sophisticated, and these are being built and operated by operators who have been in the business for twenty five or thirty years. Joe, they know what they're doing. So this new model, while it'll be less expensive, that you know, it also it's going to have risks that you won't run into in the in the CCRC model. Um, it probably will not have as significant a buy-in. Uh, you won't be responsible for the apartment. You'll be renting the apartment and then paying a service fee for the the meals and et cetera. And then when you go to a higher level of care or move on, then uh, you just give them 30 days notice and you're done. And it, it, what is the failure rate? Uh, and you may not know this off the top of your head, but ballpark, I wonder what the failure rate is each year of a, of a holistic CCRC. Very, very, very small. So that's something the viewers should take note of. It, yeah. I, you know, it's really rare uh, to hear one that goes down. And generally when they get close to failure, it's because of financial issues and um, the building uh, will change ownerships. It'll be recapitalized at, you know, 60, 70 cents on the dollar and the new operator will have a capital base that can make it work financially. That's how that works. So there may not be any interruption of service. Likely not. Yeah. Could end up being better service. So historically, in other words, these have been a very safe bet. Absolutely. Uh, for so I'm thinking many of our viewers are probably uh, not risk prone. I suspect they're very risk averse, and and the CCRC is a time tested model. It is a time tested model. It just ties up your assets. Whereas if you went into um, you know, one of these independent congregate settings, you'd still have uh, uh, earning capacity on your assets. 
soon as your assets go to the uh, CCRC, then they cease, you know, earning yeah. income for you. And you still need to pay, you know, some amount so per month for the. So you're living off your living off your principal, and you're not living off your uh, your investment income. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about. We have uh, probably another what, Justin? Twenty minutes in this show. Okay. So I'd like to take a few minutes and talk about, Ben, um, what you would look for if you were guiding your mother, for example, or even for yourself. Um, if you were looking at a facility, you know, what are the things that you would look at? And, and before you answer that, let me tell the viewers, Ben has this incredible list already that's included in this booklet that I've been marketing. You'd think I'd be getting a commission on this, Ben, but it turns out you're giving it away free, so there's no commission. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, you know, Joe, I, I, at this point in my career, I've been doing this 40 years. The industry has been good to me. The residents have been incredibly good to me. Their families have. And I really feel like I want to give back. And so that's why I make this stuff available. I have a whole YouTube channel called uh, My Caregiver Coach. It's My Caregiver Coach. That has YouTube videos on all tons of training things that are really important for people who run these facilities. And there's also programs uh, on there, YouTube videos about, you know, what's dementia, uh, uh, what is malnutrition and how to to mitigate my risks for falls and fractures? You know, my mom is depressed. What do I do about that? How do I handle guilt? You know, all those things are dealt with on this and it's all free uh, to the public as well. So that's a great resource. And uh, and on this this booklet, I can tell you that this this list of items is a really good checklist. But but still, I wanted to kind of go through what what your priorities would be as you would be looking at a facility, Ben. Okay, so when I if I were to look at a facility for my mom, um, the first thing I would do is I would call the facility and I would ask to speak to the you know the marketing uh, the person there. And from the moment you interact with that facility, it starts creating impressions of what you're likely to encounter once you get there, how the call is handled, uh, what kind of questions that the front desk person is asking you. Are you able to speak to somebody right away who can answer your questions or are they going to be calling you back? And uh so that's all important, how, how the call is handled, how, the, how you're made to feel, and whether you're made to feel important. And so when you go to tour the building, you want to evaluate right from the parking lot. Is the parking lot dirty? Is there cigarette butts laying in the parking lot? And that parking lot should be walked through every day. There shouldn't be dirt. There shouldn't be anything out there. And is there weeds in the in the yard? Is there... How's the signage, quality of the signage? You know, and people take pride in, in, in the appearance of their yard and the appearance of their own personal home. And often it's a reflection of what the inside is going to be like. And so if the outside of your building is unkept, you know, they're not focusing on uh, the details. They're not detail-oriented. Once you get into the building... You know, how how are you greeted? Are you made to wait? Are you able to engage and talk to the 
to the uh, marketing director separately before she parades you through the whole building and ask your questions there. How are you greeted? Are you offered a beverage? Are you offered uh, anything uh, to eat? Um, did they ask you questions of what prompted your visit and, and who it is that you're looking for and what your timeline is? You know, how good are they with discovery? And this is not so much an indication of their sales skills. It's an indication of whether they care about you or not. And you don't want to put your mom in a facility where you're just a number. You don't want to put your mom in a facility where she's just going through a process just like everybody else. You want to put your mom in a facility that people really take a personal interest in her. They want to know what her obstacles are, what her hot buttons are, what things are important to her, what kind of friends uh, that she has, what kind of hobbies that she has. And then once you collect all that information, then the person can start touring them through the building and pointing out, yes, you know, this is a card worm. You understand, I know, understand your mom likes to pay bridge. We have three play, uh, really terrific bridge players here already. And uh, they would more than love to have some, uh, you know, some, uh, some fresh people come in and, and play bridge with them. So all I'm saying is, is you're not selling the building. You're not selling the, the beauty salon and the dining room. What you're selling, at least what, you're, what I'm buying as a son, is I want to see how people interact with one another. I want to walk through the building. I don't want to see staff sitting around. I want to see staff engaging with the residents. I want to see staff playing with the residents, having fun with them, uh, doing things. I want to see activities. I want to see how they handle a person who has a behavioral issue. Do they redirect them or do they shuffle them off and get them out of the way so it doesn't look like you know they're, they're getting properly attended to? So, and you want to smell through the building. There's no way that any building that's properly run should have any smell whatsoever. The wheelchairs are a really good sign. Are the wheelchairs clean? You know, wheelchairs have a tendency to accumulate food and all kinds of stuff. And a good operator is going to take those wheelchairs uh, out back behind the kitchen and they're going to power wash them once a month or so. So looking at all the wheelchairs, are the wheelchairs clean? Are they in good repair? You know, do they have um, holes in the armrests? You know, uh, and are the residents well-dressed? You know, are the residents walking around wearing their night clothes or a robe? You know, what does their hair look like? Has their hair been done lately? You know, all these things are indicators of whether the place cares about them or not. Also, the, the, the family members should ask how long the, the, how long the executive director has been there in their job. And, uh, you know, a lot of these places turn over executive directors because the executive director doesn't really have a good understanding of what they're supposed to do. And so when things go wrong because they didn't check certain boxes, then they have a tendency to fire their problems away rather than redirect and retrain. So it's important that people are there in their jobs a long time. So the executive director, the chef, and the, um, the director of nurses should all be more, a year or more in their job. 
uh, longer the better. Um, what and then ask some of the staff that you see, you know, ask them why they what they like about working there, how long they've worked there. And so a, a lot of the staff should in a in a well-run facility, the staff should be coached uh, by the management to be prepared with answers for questions like that. So asking those staff members, uh, you know, what they like about being there, how long they've been there, and do they feel like there's enough staff here? Uh, you know, those are all questions that, that the family members can ask. That, you know, don't be afraid to ask those, those direct questions. And in a well-run facility, you'll get good answers. In a well-run facility with long-term employees, those nurses' aides will be able to reassure you, oh, I love working here. This is a great place. I feel part of a team. They listen to me. They hear what I have to say. They implement some of my suggestions. You know, and no place is perfect all the time. And that's part of why I like living working here because it's a challenge every day for me. And it's new every day. But one thing that that uh, I, I really like is that I get to deal with the same residents every day and I really get to be able to bond with them. So the good care comes with long-term stable employees who get to know the, the total uh, intimate details of taking care of someone completely. So let me, let, let me ask you about uh, like food service. Uh, I imagine it's really hard in an environment like that to maintain the sort of food choices that and and the quality and even the servers. I mean, a typical restaurant cannot range today in in America. It's hard to get reasonable service. I imagine these are problems that that these communities have because they do provide often even more than one restaurant. Some of them do. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard uh, to do the food service. Um, you plan the meals three months in advance, and then you you have a uh, you have a cycle. Uh, every three weeks, there's a different uh, some some four weeks cycle uh, before it repeats itself. And there's multiple different meals that are offered for uh, and cater to certain preferences. And then in addition to that, there's the anytime available meals where you can anytime have a grilled chicken salad or you can have a hamburger or you can have a steak or you can have, you know, a pasta dish. Yeah. And those are things that people can have, you know, anytime, any, any, uh, if they don't like what's on the menu. So there's never really an issue with, uh, a variety of the menu. Sometimes there's issue with how well it's cooked and, you know, and you can't bat a you can't bat a thousand because every once in a while you flub up and you overcook the pork chops. You know, and there's just a wave that goes through the the whole dining room about the pork chops, just like a wave in a stadium, yeah. and uh, it's kind of funny. But in terms of the servers, um, a lot of the servers are part time. Uh, they are often you know people that um, are high school students. And what we did is we would go to the churches and we go to the schools and we would recruit people there to come in and work part time as servers. Because, you know, in many schools today, they require you to do like an internship or uh, to work in a business 
as part of the curriculum. So, you know, we would post job opportunities in, in these places, and generally you get pretty reliable people. In addition to that, uh, some of the uh, in some of the facilities, like especially the memory care facilities, we like to have the nurses' aides actually per- do the serving and provide service because um, of the complicated nature of often behavioral nature and the complicated nature of getting someone with a very short memory span uh, to sit long enough to to get the caloric intake that they need. It really takes special training. So you can't really, you know, use high school kids for that. You need people that are specially trained on how to, um, you know, how to help uh, people consume their meal and get all of their meal consumed. So how important do you think it is, though, um, in within one of these communities to have some representative or some council of residents to voice their views? Do you think that's an important thing to look for? Well, and not only is it important, but most states' regulations require a resident council. And I think it's really important to have these resident councils, but I think it's really important for the executive director and the chef and the um, nursing director, the activity director, to attend some of these with an agenda. So you don't want to go to one of these meetings because they can quickly go down a rabbit hole and they don't satisfy certain participants. You know, they'll go down a, you know, a certain issue that somebody has that other people may not have. So it's important to, to control um, the, um, the flow of these. And the best way to do that is for the management staff to attend these with an agenda. So instead of them coming there and sitting there at the meeting and saying, well, you know, what, what do you like? What do you don't like? And have it turn into a, a complaints coming there proactively with an agenda of what to expect, what's about to change and why they're changing it. And, um, and announcing surveys that they're going to collect feedback from the residents and then post the results of those surveys. Collecting residents' favorite recipes is another great thing. And then acting, uh, acting on that and giving the resident credit for their, you know, corn chowder or something. But, but now let me be sure I understand you. Uh, while it certainly makes sense for somebody to preside over the meeting, you're not saying, though, that they should restrict the topics that can be addressed by the resident council, or are you? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. But I think that the resident council generally will come with a handful of topics, uh, but also this the management needs to come with their topics as well. So otherwise, there the and this is a common mistake that I've seen where management shows up and they're not prepared. Uh, they don't. Ha- they have not thought about, you know, how to uh, communicate what's happening and what will happen and what has happened uh, to the to the residents and their families, and the whole thing just deteriorates. So, um, having gone through an agenda, both from the residents' perspective and from the management's perspective, makes the whole thing much more uh, proactive. And then having like a regional person come in and sitting down and having like um, coffee hour with the residents to to just you know hear about good things and and things that they would like to see done differently. 
Well, one thing that uh, I find especially beneficial to our viewers with you, um, as I perhaps suggested earlier, is the fact that you've set mainly on your the the side of the table during your career running these facilities or teaching people how to run these facilities. Uh, so it gives you a perspective that that often uh, people who who aren't in the industry don't get to hear. So uh, that it, it with that sort of foundation, let me ask you, so when you do see conflict or disagreements or where kind of it goes bad between a, a resident or residents and management, what would be the one or two or, or three things that you find are are the most likely source of disagreement? I can tell you the most likely source of disagreement that happens in these communities is people manifesting certain behavior because they don't feel like they have the influence that they want. Um, for example, uh, people need to be validated. People need to feel important. People need to feel that your number one priority is, is responding to them. And most people, I would say 95% of the people that I've dealt with over the years are very reasonable. But where they become unreasonable is when they're not listened to, they're not responded to. And when that happens, then they'll go first to their daughter and they'll complain daughter, to their daughter. Daughter, not son. Or son, <laughs> but usually their daughter. Yeah, that's interesting. And they'll complain to their daughter and hang some guilt on their daughter over it uh, for putting them there. And then the daughter will go and talk to the management. The management will spend a little bit of time with them, try to soothe it over. And if there's no lasting resolution to what their concerns are, then they will start to seek validation from the other families or the other residents. And then the problem gets bigger. So I think it's really important to hear someone out, to listen to them, to to uh, say yes, we found we we've seen this before, uh, and I understand how you feel. We use the feel felt found method. I understand how you feel. Others have felt the same way, so you're not alone. Your your concern is valid, but what we found is this: when people ask you for things, it's better to say um, it's better to say no and then research it. And then come back and say, you know, I I researched what you asked me. I didn't think I could initially do it. But, you know, after I have done, done the research, I think we can do it. But this way, does that make sense? And that that just really surprises people. Quality is the difference between what you expect and what you get. If you get less than you expect, you start questioning the value. If you get a little bit more than what you expect, then you get a check mark in the quality call. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I can see that public relations skills are very important in this business. Validate, validate, validate. I mean, it's really important to do that. Like a typical complaint, Joe, would be someone will come and say, well, you know, I want um, I want more meal options or I want uh, another staff person or I want uh, a water fountain in the courtyard. And so we're charged as managers 
to operate these communities in the most efficient way as possible. Everything, every single cost that is that that is done in one of these buildings, whether it's the electricity, the food, the landscaping, the salaries, the insurance, everything comes out of your pocket, comes out of the resident's pocket. And so our job is to manage those uh, costs the most efficiently way we can so that everyone can live here. The worst thing that you have to deal with when you're running these buildings is to deal with someone who run out of money. And so while other people could afford, easily afford, uh, you know, the increase in costs associated with putting a fountain in the courtyard or additional meals or more car service, some people can just barely afford what they're paying now. And so our job is to find that tipping point where everybody's needs are met and we're doing it with the money that, that we're currently collecting from you. And then when you do have uh, upgrades in terms of options, then that it would could be paid for separately outside the fixed amount that's being paid monthly for the people who can afford it. Uh, I generally don't like to do that because then the people who are paying for the upgrades outside uh, feel more entitled. So um, what I would suggest is that if you wanted a particular thing, then let's do a fundraiser for that particular thing and honor a deceased resident by naming it after them. Uh, for example, That's if you wanted to repaint the library and put some new chairs in it, let's call it um, the Dixie Pierce Library. And then people are willing to contribute. People are often, families are very appreciative and uh, they want to make a contribution when they move out in the name of their loved one. And so we can do that and we can provide naming opportunities uh, for particular uh, things as a result of fundraising. One thing I definitely see in this discussion, and that's that that you're giving our viewers a perspective of somebody who more sits in the chair of the operator, of the person who's running the facility. And, and you know, it's clear that the person in that position you know, feels this sincere commitment to make it work and sometimes has this frustration that maybe it's not fully recognized by guests. And 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 I just think that it's valuable for our viewers to understand kind of both sides of the of the perspective. You want to put your mom in a place where the people love working there. They love what they do. They love and are motivated by developing interpersonal relationships with the residents. Yeah. They see the impact of taking someone that is lonely and and giving them friendship, somebody who is frightened and giving them comfort, somebody who has health and and personality issues and giving them stability. Those are gifts that you can give to people that pay back to you personally in a sense of accomplishment and gives you compensation that you will never, ever be able to get in a paycheck. Yeah. So when you think about this, 
the, the people who work and give of themselves every day in these buildings, they're the, they're the most quality human beings on the planet, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and for me to be able to work with them for 40 years, I want to absorb that goodness. I want to absorb that strength. And these people that work in these communities, they're just amazing. You know, not only do they take care of your mom, but they take care of their mom and their kids. And some of them have two and three jobs. And they're just incredible human beings. And they've just that strength that they bring to their job is infectious. And when you have a well-run facility, everybody appreciates each other's strengths. And while they don't always get along or agree on everything, what they do agree on is the fact that they want to work next to this person here who has great strength. Yeah, yeah. And and people who, on the resident interaction side, th- those people have to have a caregiver's heart. Why would they want that job if they didn't really have that that devotion? Or, Well, let me tell you. You know, you could work, a lot of these people could work anywhere. They could work at a bowling alley. They could work at a restaurant. They could work at a bank. But when you work at one of those places, the in, the interaction that you have with that individual, with your customer, is 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you may never see them again, half hour max. But when you work in a senior living community, the re- your customers live there. And you interacting with them every day, you're learning about, you know, their kids, you're learning about their health, you're learning about their husband, you know, and they're learning about your kids and your husband. And it just creates a symbiotic relationship between the caregiver and the resident. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And it becomes, after a while, it becomes in the best interest of the caregiver to take care of the resident because that resident is become is the one that's putting water refilling their bucket every day it's become their sole source of support um and it's in the best interest of the resident to be kind and take care of the caregiver because that caregiver is providing them support and keeping them as independent as possible so you just gotta make sure management doesn't disrupt that and when somebody has got a problem, it's so easy to fire the problem. But when you fire that problem out the door, they walk with all the knowledge of all the residents they take care of that has been collected for the last two years. And so you bring somebody else in, they're very well intended, they want to do a good job, but they don't know these residents from from Adam. So this ties in with your point about longevity. It isn't you, you, when you mentioned a while ago. You want you should look to see, you know, is there low turnover? Is there have people been there a while? And that's one of the reasons. This is one position, one um, profession that you can really make a difference in people's lives. You can change them. You can bring them from someone who's upset and crying and lonely. And six months later, three months later, they're laughing in the card room with their friends. And it's not the building that does that. It's you. You do that. You've made that happen. You've transitioned this person from unhappy to happy. 
and you've given them their life back. They never thought that was possible. It's you. You're the one that has the power to do that. And there's no other job on the planet where you can you can impact people's lives that way. And if your job on this earth is to build your own spirit, the best way to do it is taking care of people. Yeah, uh, that's a, that is a great point to wrap up with, Ben. I I was going to talk to you about the subject of litigation, but uh, we've covered so much ground, and uh, and we've covered all the things that that were important, and we did. We talked about what are the sources of conflict and whatnot, and and I think you you summarize that. Um, so you know your wealth of wisdom. I can tell. I, I I would definitely hope to have you back if you're willing at some point in the future to touch on this topic again. Sure, be happy to. There's a lot. There's a lot more to talk about. I can I can see that. Uh, but I'm 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 glad that we covered as much territory as we did. So I appreciate very much having you on, Ben. Uh, and uh, you do a marvelous service. We will have your link and this and this generous gift of the booklet that you mentioned for our viewers. Uh, That'll be on our website. And I I hope to have you on again soon. Uh, This has been uh, another episode of Life's Third Act. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.